Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Glad to see you, although I'm not in a good mood today. I'm not in a good mood today. Uh, you get jazzed up and excited for your team to play 82 games, and they lose the first one, and now all the hope is gone. Not really, but oh, it was a frustrating night. Couldn't make shots in the second half, and my Pelicans are 0-1. They play hard as hell, though. I'll give them that. I mean, to see a team actually give a damn as opposed to whatever you want to call the product last year was at least refreshing. I know the guys on the court care. So I had a rough night last night. I'm not happy. Not happy at all uh, about the result of game one. But I'm glad to see you guys on this Thursday morning. Cloudy Thursday morning. It's kind of kind of crummy outside, but happy you guys are with me. The weather this weekend at least is supposed to be uh, much better. Much better. So I'm looking right now at Oxford Saturday, 77 and partly cloudy, and as I understand it, you're about to get the same thing in Nashville, too. I know a lot of you State fans are making a trip to Nashville, uh, because why would you not? Um, yeah, yeah, so enjoy that, at least. We uh, we have that. Uh, at least you had quality viewing experience, courtesy of Valley Sports, Chris says. Yeah, <laughs> I um, I found a stream. What's frustrating, though, is I found a stream, but the only one I could find was the 76ers homer broadcast and not the New Orleans homer broadcast. So not only did I have to watch the offense just step all over its own two feet, uh, really in the fourth quarter, it wasn't the second half. I mean, they were down six with 10 minutes to go in the game. Uh, Then they stepped all over their own two feet. But I had to hear it from the Philly homers. Anyway, yeah, Valley Sports stinks out loud. It's terrible. But I found a good website that gave me a great-looking stream, and that's that's really all I can ask for. But, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to talk a couple things today. First of all, I want to get this in here. I want to get it in here first because Southern Miss got great news yesterday. They are going to join the Sun Belt. It's not official yet, but that's the direction that they're headed. Southern Miss is going to join the Sun Belt. It's a big deal for them. It really is. But it comes with... Uh, it comes with a um, caveat, if you will. They're struggling right now. It's, you know, year one, new coach, all that. But the competition level with them in the Sun Belt is elevating. It's going to elevate. The teams around them now in their conference uh, really are invested in football. And if Southern Miss does not match that investment, then it's going to be tough in the Sun Belt moving forward. So we'll talk about that. But then. The reason why you're here, at least the reason that I hope you're here, one of the worst takes I have seen about anybody at all, but one of the worst takes I've seen on Matt Corral. I mean, this summer we got the whole, his arm strength is an issue. Uh, Somebody that, I think it was ESPN that said he throws interceptions in every game, like stuff like that. I mean, there, there have been some truly bad opinions written about Matt Corral. There is not, or I have not seen something worse than what I read from Mike Farrell of Rivals yesterday. Not one of the local Rivals guys, the national Rivals guy, the 
self-proclaimed godfather of recruiting, wrote, "I'm t- it's the worst thing I have ever seen in terms of take on a quarterback and usage and just a complete and total lack of knowledge of the game of football. It is mind-blowing that somebody could watch him play. Spoiler alert, did, didn't watch the game, doesn't watch him play. Um, there's no way. And to have that opinion. So I'm going to I'm gonna show it to you. I'll display it on the screen. I'll read it to you as well because it is the worst thing I've ever read uh, about a particular player, especially this particular player. Uh, real quick, though, I want to remind you, if you're watching on Twitter, you cannot comment. So come on over to YouTube. Michael Borky on YouTube. Find me there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's how you can comment and be a part of this for whatever reason you can't on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter if you'd like, though, at Michael Borky or Facebook. If you're a Facebook user, Uh, find me on there as well and while you're here while you're watching on youtube actually like the video that would help me a ton and wherever you get your podcast mike in the morning or my name should turn up results so southern miss to the sun belt it's not officially official yet it is not officially official yet but all signs are pointing to the golden eagles getting an invitation to the sun belt conference after the aac decided to raid the conference usa and clearly the aac prioritized market size and expansion and not quality of football team. UAB's good, but Birmingham's an incredible football market. When you look at ratings and market share for every football game, seriously, all of them, NFL, college, Birmingham is like always in the top 10. It is the best football city in America, I swear. It's Birmingham, Alabama. Better than any other city in America, Birmingham is the best football city in America because they watch everything. If it's a football game, not just Alabama-Auburn, if it's a college football game on ESPN at night, Birmingham's a top 10 market in America. If it's Monday night football, Birmingham's a top 10 market in America. It's the best football city in the the country. But they added Rice and FAU. Interesting move on their part. But they they just added markets instead of quality football teams. And right now, the way I see it, the AAC moving forward without Cincinnati and UCF and Houston um, is not the sixth best conference in America. It can no longer stake that claim of the power six. In fact, it, it, not in fact, it's my opinion. In my opinion, the Conference USA is now dead. But if you're looking at group of fives, the additions of the Conference USA teams to the Sun Belt makes the Sun Belt the best group of five uh, conference in America. When you compare it side by side to the AAC, the Sun Belt to me is better. It's more committed now, and it's a better overall football conference. At at least that's the way I see it. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I want that to be the case because Southern Miss is joining it. But I see a better football conference when you look at the new Sun Belt compared to the new AAC. That's what I see. I see better in the Sun Belt. So all signs are pointing to Southern Miss joining the Sun Belt. And that's great for them for a lot of reasons. Uh, One, being tied to the Conference USA anymore uh, would be brutal for Southern Miss. As we know, their athletic budget's quite small. Uh, As I learned a few weeks ago, um, Southern Miss actually, at least according to the online database that you can access, has a smaller athletic budget than Furman, who just cut their baseball program. Um, Being tied to the Conference USA would have been pretty brutal 
uh, for Southern Miss. Uh, the future of Southern Miss athletics would have been pretty up in the air. Not that they would cease to exist or anything like that, but not getting this move to the Sun Belt for Southern Miss would have been pretty devastating. Uh, really devastating because the Conference USA is basically dead. Uh, they're going to try to add like a James Madison, you know, and, and just try their hardest to to maintain their level as a Division One conference. But the Sun Belt's basically dead. And if Southern Miss was going to be attached to that, it would have been devastating. The schedule is going to be better and it's going to be more localized for sure. I mean, you you trade trips to Old Dominion and Texas El Paso uh, to you got Arkansas State nearby. You've got Georgia State in Atlanta, Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana Monroe, South Alabama, Troy. All these uh, these places are, are much closer, much more regionalized uh, for Southern Miss, which is a great thing. But here's the thing. It's going to be tougher. It's going to be much tougher. The conference in general is more invested in football than the Conference USA. I, I did this on the radio show yesterday, but when you look at all of these programs, and you got to see the environment at Appalachian State last night. If you guys watched that game, that was a Wednesday night. It was a Wednesday night atmosphere in Boone. Packed stadium, incredible environment on a Wednesday. But take it one step further. You want to talk about investment in football. Appalachian State continues to expand their their stunning stadium. It's big. The fan base is robust, and they keep investing. Arkansas State just finished a stadium expansion. Coastal Carolina recently uh, did one as well. It's been a few years, but they have a nice-looking, very new football stadium. Georgia Southern's got a great football fan base, great facilities, dedicated people. Uh, Georgia State just repurposed the former Brave Stadium. Looks amazing. They have a, a new facility that they're invested in. Louisiana Lafayette, or just Louisiana, has just invested in their football program. They're paying their coach $2 million a year. South Alabama has a brand new football stadium. You guys get my point. They are invested. The Sun Belt is more invested in football than the Conference USA. The competition level for Southern Miss is increasing. The investment uh, for Southern Miss, considering their opponents, is increasing. So it's going to be more difficult. More localized games, which is great. It's a, a conference that has more prestige, at least I think so. It's a better conference. But what comes with that is elevated competition. So Jeremy McLean and, and Southern Miss fans especially have to be prepared to elevate because if you don't, it's going to be tough sledding. You saw the atmosphere in Boone last night, Little Boone, North Carolina. On a Wednesday night, it was incredible. That's what you're up against now. That's the class of your league now. Got to be ready for it. But it's still a great thing. Great thing for Southern Miss. I mean, just great news. Getting out of the Conference USA is just so big for them. And um, everything's more localized. I'm happy for them. Truly, I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm excited uh, to have Appalachian State come here. I mean, that'll be great. Have Coastal Carolina come here. Really looking forward to that. Easier road trips for Southern Miss fans. Easier road trips for Sunbelt teams. It, it'll be great. It'll be great. I'm really happy. Bryant's is awesome news for, for Southern Miss. Absolutely. Bryant's is watching App State Coastal last night. That atmosphere reminded me of good days in Hattiesburg. Coach Hall can bring that back. That was pretty damn special, all things considered, last night for sure. Is CUSA dead? Uh, Daniel asked. Yeah. It, it, it effectively dead. Um, 
I guess they can try to add from the FCS. I mean, that that's their only option is trying to get James Madison on board. Um, but who else is in this region in the FCS that is attractive enough to try to get to elevate to your level? Yeah, they're effectively dead. Brian says, crazy to see the AAC taking exactly the same failed approach the CUSA took a decade ago. Yeah, I, I'm very curious as to why they did that instead of extending invitations to Appalachian State and Louisiana, for example. Um, that would have elevated the AAC, not Rice and Florida Atlantic. I don't know. But, hey, that's what they chose to do. We'll see if it works. But the Sun Belt, right now, to me, when you compare them side by side, is the better football conference. Good thing for Southern Miss. So, wanted to get that in first. I know I haven't talked much Southern Miss on here because, with all due respect to the Golden Eagles, they have not given a reason to talk about them on here. I, I don't mean to be, you know, so harsh, but they're 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 bad. The football team is bad, and now they're banged up. Nothing interesting there right now. So I haven't spent much time talking about them. I feel bad saying that, but that's just it's just the truth. This is a good thing. This is exciting. So I had to get that in first. Um, anyway, let's turn the page here. The worst thing, the worst opinion about Matt Crow that I've ever seen. I'm not being sarcastic. I am not exaggerating. This two-paragraph opinion on Matt Corral is the worst thing that I have read about Matt Corral among a lot of very stupid things written about him. This is on a level that I, I cannot describe unless I show it to you myself. So let me share this here for a second. Let you guys see this. This is terrible. This is written. This was uh, Mike Farrell of Rivals wrote this. Uh, I guess he has like a weekend's or weekend thoughts column, if you will, on Rivals. And this is what he wrote about Matt Corral and Ole Miss. I'll go paragraph by paragraph. There's only two of them, but there's a lot of bad in just two paragraphs. Here's the first one. Is anyone else wondering why Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral ran the ball 30 times against Tennessee? Yes, there were some injuries at wide receiver, and the running game couldn't get going, but 30 times? Corral won the game with his arms and legs, but was his health jeopardized in Lane Kiffin's lust to win at Tennessee? Okay, that's the first paragraph. First of all, uh, if you actually watched the game you know, with your eyes, you know that those were not 30 designed runs. Yes, they did have a handful of quarterback draws, uh, but... Often, he was running because he had to. And unless you are suggesting that when there is an open running lane and a close game on the road, that Matt Corral should just not take the green grass in front of him and, I guess, throw the football into coverage or throw it away and just not take what the defense is giving you and get first downs and win the game... I guess if that's what you're suggesting, but no, there were not 30 designed quarterback runs in this game, not anywhere close. Yes, it is a bad thing that Matt Corral took the shots that he did, and you do not want your quarterback running 30 times, but when you are telling your quarterback to win the game, that's what you want them to do, right? That's the whole concept of football is to win at this level, not for seven-year-olds like it's just have fun and teach them the game 
When it's college football, it's win. That's the goal. That's the only thing on Matt Corral's mind. Not Lane Kiffin. Remove the line about Lane Kiffin for a second. Just Matt Corral. In his mind, it's I'm going to do whatever I can to win. And when there is a running lane that is available because the defense cleared out and gave the middle of the field so much space, he's going to go take it because that's what you're supposed to do as a football player is to go win the game. No matter what Lane Kiffin told Corral to do, even if he did the incredibly stupid thing and told him not to take the space in front of you, uh, he's going to go do that because he wants to win the game. So no, that was not 30 designed runs. And if you watch the game, you, you know that. But this is a take that comes from somebody that didn't watch the game. He looked at a box score and went, oh, 30 carries, that's bad, and didn't actually watch for himself. Yes, yes, he did run too much. He did. He ran too much this week. I don't expect 30 carries from Corral. But a lot of that came from necessity or what the defense gave him. He was not called for 30 designed running plays. He took what the defense gave him, and it worked. Also, that line about lust to win at Tennessee is the most bizarre. What the hell are you talking about? His lust... Was his health jeopardized in Lane Kiffin's lust to win at Tennessee? What the hell does that even mean? What does that mean? He is an SEC football coach. His job is exclusively to win. I mean, as somebody that allegedly covers the sport, you should know that the only thing that matters is winning. That's the only thing that matters. It's not his lust to win at Tennessee, whatever the hell that even means. You need to win every week. You need to win every week. It's just bizarre. Not as bizarre as paragraph number two. Here's what this one said. What about using John Rice... (laughs) Can't even get through it. What about using John Rice Plumley in some zone read situations if the running game isn't clicking to put Corral at less risk? Plumley did run for more than a thousand yards as a quarterback one season. It just seems odd to me, or odd to see 30 carries next to the name of arguably the best passer in college football. And I'm wondering about the reasoning behind. <laughs> now Corral is banged up and could miss the next game. Again, that is. Oh boy, that that is just so stupid. That that again, that is written by somebody that did not watch the game because if that person watched the game, they know that those were again, those were not 30 designed carries for Matt Corral, but my god. Why why how can you watch Ole Miss play? How can you watch them play and think the best way for them to win? would be to take Matt Corral out of the game. That that is the best course of action for this team, is to take that guy, their best player, by a long shot. The only reason they have won the last two weeks, the best quarterback in America right now, regardless of what somebody writes about Kenny Pickett, I'm sorry, I've watched Kenny Pickett play, not even close to the skill set and ability of Matt Corral. Not even close. And everybody's being really cute when they put Kenny Pickett ahead of the guy from the SEC, especially the athletic. It's not even close. 
He's the best quarterback in America. Willed his team to two wins the last couple of weeks. Your idea is to take him out of the game. Take him out of the game and let his backup wide receiver take snaps at quarterback. That's what you think will change this offense and make it more effective? (sighs) The reason why Matt Corral was so effective running the football against Tennessee was because Tennessee had to respect his throwing ability. That's why so many lanes opened up in the middle of the field for him to pull the football down and run in. That's why that happened, because Tennessee has to respect his elite-level passing ability. Let's just pretend for a second that they go to John Rice Plumley, the backup wide receiver. Don't you kind of understand what defenses will do at that point? They'll stack the box because there's no threat of throwing the football. And what will a team that's already struggling to run the football, when they take the throwing threat out of the game, how do you think they're going to run the football more effectively? If there's like a trick play or something where they do some shifting and Crowell goes and lines up at receiver and Plumlee takes like a wildcat snap, sure, whatever. Like I, I still don't like that, but I understand and like can rationalize that. But this guy is actually advocating for Plumlee to take snaps, like multiple snaps at quarterback and run zone reads because I'm sure he could break down what a zone read is because that's a big part of the Ole Miss offense. Um, I am just mind blown that we still have people that are advocating for not Matt Corral to play quarterback for any length of time at Ole Miss. But that's why he was so effective against Tennessee because he can throw the football, Mike. It's because there is a passing threat, and that's why the defense, the middle of the field, cleared that out. Miles says, I may be missing something. I took that to mean put Plumlee at running back, not take Corral out. Uh, I mean, he said, what about using John Rice Plumlee in some zone read situations if the running game isn't clicking to put Corral at less risk? That means put Plumlee at quarterback. And he also said, did run for more than 1,000 yards as a quarterback one season. So uh, unless he's just the worst writer in the history of writing, uh, th- that's what he's he's saying. Um all the same, it still doesn't make any sense because, as you know, Corral's balance kept Tennessee honest. That's why he had so much space, because they have to respect the elite-level uh, passing ability. Sebastian says, wow, that's a strong, strong take on Kenny Pickett. I have both him and Corral in New York City as Heisman finalists with Corral having an edge and winning it. He's a good player. I like him. I really like him. I think he's a gamer. Just tough. I mean, I, I watched that game in Tennessee. He's tough, man. He's a good player. He's not an elite player. There, there's a difference. I think there's a huge separation in ability. I do. But I, I hear you, man. I, I like Kenny Pickett. That wasn't a, a knock on Pickett as much as it was a, a praise on the other. I, I like Kenny Pickett. I think he's good. I don't think he's elite. I mean, there's your difference. I have a feeling we're going to learn this weekend about Pittsburgh. A lot of people are hyping them up. And with all the, the jokes about Clemson and how poor they've played, they're still a pretty exceptional defense. Uh, They have been all season long. They just can't score, but they're not letting people score either. Uh, That that's the thing there. But um, 
I'm wondering about the reasoning behind it. It's just so funny. The reasoning behind it was because that's what they had to do to win the game. That's what the kid did to win the game. He put his team on his back and decided this was the best way that I'm going to. Anyway, I, I can't believe I've given that kind of a take as much time, but I'm mind blown that somebody can watch Ole Miss play. I, I keep repeating that line because say that out loud for a second. A person who gets paid a lot more than me to cover college football and recruiting, but also college football, allegedly watched Ole Miss play and came away with the thought, you know what would help them if number two didn't play as much? How? You know, everybody's got to, is allowed to have opinions, right? It's perfectly fine that everybody is allowed to have an opinion. And uh, he, by the way, is not going to miss the next game. That line of could miss the next game. He, he's not going to. It's fair. It would be fair to say, you know, Crowell had a great game. You don't like to see your quarterback with 30 carries. Ole Miss needs to adjust moving forward. That's perfectly fine. Like, I, I support that. I think that's right on the money. That's Matt Crowell does not need to run 30 times against LSU. He won't. I don't suspect that he will. Also, LSU is going to adjust, and I imagine they're going to have some kind of a spy on him as well, which should make things a little bit easier in the passing game uh, for for Corral as well in this game. But no, I, I think that's absolutely fair, and Kiffin said it. He was disappointed that Corral had 30 carries in the game. He thinks that that shouldn't happen. I agree that that shouldn't happen. But to accuse that of being a lust for winning and putting him in a dangerous situation. And they should fix this uh, by putting in his backup wide receiver. Then you lose me there. I think that is just an absolute uh, insanity. It's just insanity. Um, All that article does is rekindle the JRP for QB one homers. That's it. Going into this season, we still had some people like would text the radio show and say things like that, but I think that's even dead now. At least it should be. Um, I'll never forget, though, Chris, uh, during the 2019 season when um, me and uh, my friend Brian Scott Rippey would spend every day on the radio show and in podcast form and otherwise in the 2019 season talking about how This offense is not going to work. Matt Corral needs to be the starter. John Rice Plumlee is not an SEC quarterback. He's a great athlete, good teammate, all that stuff. He is everything that you want in a teammate. He's a good athlete. And I think if he sticks the wide receiver thing out, it's going to work for him if he sticks it out. He's not ready yet because, of course not. It's a position change. He's never played receiver before, and it's the SEC. But if he sticks it out, I think he will be really good because he's a good athlete. And, and I've got pretty decent hands for a guy that's never played receiver before. He catches the ball when it is thrown his way. I think he will be successful at wide receiver if he sticks this out and he sticks it out at Ole Miss. I think he will end up being very good. Uh, but that year, we kept on saying it's not going to work. This offense will not work in the SEC. Corral's a better option because he's a better passer, more polished. And the stuff that was said to he and I, the emails that we got, um, the the people that were threatening to call our sponsors and try to get us taken off the air, that kind of stuff. I mean, there was a real cult love for that kid. 
It was pretty brutal. Um, I'll never forget that. I won't. But uh, one of the few times I was actually right about something. Doesn't happen very often, but it happened in that case. Uh, Daniel says Corral ran out of necessity. Exactly. It, it wasn't. They didn't go into the game planning on running him 30 times, and they didn't call 30 designed runs for him either. Mark says this guy probably thought Rich Rod's offensive scheme was good too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, Rich Rod did beat Hugh Freeze the other day. You want to you talk about the uh, the full circle nature of that one? Former Ole Miss offensive coordinator Rich Rodriguez beat former Ole Miss head coach Hugh Freeze in front of 3,000 people in Monroe the other night. How about that? Memphis Rebel says, I never liked the idea that Ole Miss planned to run Corral 30 times. It, because they didn't. <laughs> because they didn't. It just happened that way. I mean, just the suggestion. The, the line about the lust for beating Tennessee thing is so funny. It, you You play to win the game as an SEC head coach. Could you imagine? Seriously, could you imagine Lane Kiffin sitting Matt Corral down on the bench during that game and saying, hey, I know you've got running lanes all over the place. When you drop back to pass and there's nothing but green grass in front of you, don't run. Don't do that. Just throw into coverage. But coach, I, I get a first down. No, no, no. I know that. But but I, I don't want to win the game today, Matt. So So you don't run. You don't run. Could you imagine saying that to that kid the way he plays? He wouldn't listen. He would take the space if given to him. But no, that was all Kiffin putting Corral in a dangerous situation, not the kid doing what it took to win because that's that's what that's what leaders do. That's what leaders do. Memphis Rebel also says, I always wanted Corral's QB1. JRP was just a good story for a couple of weeks. He was a great story. I mean, he, he still is a good story. Got the baseball player aspect of it. A homegrown kid decided to stick it out after losing his quarterback job. I mean, he's a great story. And again, I, I think that with time, he'll end up being quite good at wide receiver. I, I really do. Um, but it takes time. You, you don't just switch positions and start in front of Dontario Drummond. You know, it just it doesn't work like that. In time, if he sticks it out, we'll end up being quite good. Chris, you're right, and personally, he's great. He says, he, I like JRP. Dude hung out and talked to fans for an hour after a baseball game, but definitely not QB1. Exactly, and anybody with a brain and a set of eyes can see that, but apparently not those at the uh, the top of, uh, of Rivals.com. He was sacked five times in the game, Memphis Rebel. He was sacked five times in the game. Um, so, yeah, that's out there. Worst Matt Crow opinion I've ever seen. Seriously. That's worse than the his arm strength is lacking that we saw this summer on ESPN. It's worse than that. It really is. Um, I even saw that on uh, on Pro Football Focus, who, by the way, um, I, I can't take that seriously anymore. They had a mock draft the other day. This just a, a website called Pro Football, Pro Football, like NFL, Pro Football Focus, had a mock draft in which no quarterbacks were taken in the top 10, and it took until pick number 20 for quarterback two to come off the board. How you can be a professional football covering website and think that nobody's going to take a quarterback in the top 10 of the draft, and the second one's not going to come off the board until pick number 20? 
I don't know what I don't know what you're saying. They had Malik Willis going number eleven and Matt Corral going twenty, and that was the two quarterbacks in the first round. What what are we doing here? You know, or you should know, that's not how that's going to go. Two quarterbacks are not going to slip out of the top ten. That's what the league does now. Right, wrong, or indifferent, whether you think they should doesn't matter. Nobody is waiting until pick number twenty to pick the second quarterback in the draft. Zero percent chance at how that, that that's how that goes down. Zero. How do I foresee the LSU game going? Um, I'll talk about that more tomorrow. Although I do think that considering the atmosphere. Um, the fact that LSU now knows that Ed Orgeron is being fired. I'm sure there's been a lot of distracted practices. I mean, you've got assistants that are looking for their next gig, players that may be doubting if they have something to play for. Now they got to go play on the road. Uh, Matt Crow will play. Um, I think that this will be a game that probably close early, a little bit, and Ole Miss is just too explosive offensively to, to change things. Uh, regardless of what happened last week against Florida, LSU changed up some of their running schemes. Ole Miss now sees that on film. Um, no, I, I would. I, I think Ole Miss is going to cover the spread, win by double digits in this game. Uh, that's that's my early thought. There's just a lot of things in Ole Miss's favor in this game, and very little uh, in LSU's. And if Ole Miss just comes out and executes, uh, they'll win and rather comfortably as well, depending on health. You know, there's more talk about more injuries, but we'll have to see before that happens. I know that Matt Corral is going to play, though. So if you've got two, you've got a chance to win every game that you're playing. Memphis Rebel also says, I've never watched any of his games, but what's the fascination with Willis? Is he thought to be Lamar Jackson 2.0? He is not even close to Lamar Jackson, uh, throwing or running the football. He's talented. Don't get me wrong. He's quite talented. Uh, He's got a good arm. Uh, There's a lot of raw arm talent there. He's a good athlete. But I just don't see what pro football focus specifically is seeing. I, I don't get that first-round pick, best quarterback in America vibe from him. I mean, the last couple of weeks, he threw three interceptions on the road at Monroe and then three interceptions two weeks ago against Middle Tennessee. Um, you know, the talent around him is not great but compared to Corral anyway, but I, I don't see it. He's He's quite talented. But, man, any NFL team mortgaging their future on him first is is surprising to me, or would be surprising to me. I don't see what others do. There's a reason he's at Liberty. He couldn't crack the rotation at Auburn. He's talented, but how many quarterbacks in America would light up Liberty's schedule? A lot. How many quarterbacks in America would not throw six interceptions in the last two weeks against Middle Tennessee and Louisiana Monroe? A, a lot. Um, I'm not sold. But also, that's just pro football focus. They have this infatuation with him. Unless Corral falls off a cliff, Willis isn't going in front of him. He won't. He won't. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe, Michael Borky, on YouTube. Um, that's a good point. This will either be one of those drafts that Corral will go top five or later in the first because GMs will overthink it. He's giving them less and less to think about. The only thing that you can question is his size, but Baker Mayfield's not big. 
Kyler Murray's tearing it up, and he's tiny. I mean, Kyler Murray's tiny. Uh, I imagine that they will tell him and ask him to put on some weight, but height's not an issue for him. Uh, I mean, he's he's fine there. The NFL has shown lately that you don't have to be six foot six to play quarterback in the league anymore. So it's a fit thing too, also. Um, but Atlanta is going to be looking for a quarterback. I think Philly might be uh, looking for for one. Possibly Pittsburgh's going to be looking for one. Pittsburgh would be a dream for for Corral to go to. If you if you want to pick a place for him to go to, regardless of what spot it is, it's Pittsburgh. You, you put him in that culture. Yeah, sign me up. Please. Please sign me up. Anyway, y'all have a great rest of your day. Don't forget to subscribe to YouTube, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow with two questions and picks for the weekend. See you then. Mississippi Media Production.